I don't know how to start this. I don't know how you start a first episode. It's like too much pressure. Hey. Hi. See, I'm already doing Bravo references. Fuck, I forgot what show I was doing. So in case you don't have a clue who I am and you're not from my mother's show, She Speaks Bravo, I am Emily, Emily Hanks, and I love TV. I use it for therapy. I use it as a form of like anti-anxiety medication, uh, even though a lot of the time I'm watching things that would kind of give me anxiety. And so like it's it's sort of like when you drink coffee when you're already anxious and you know it's going to give you anxiety, but you're like, but the coffee makes me happy and somehow comforts me, even though it's going to make it worse. That's sort of what TV does. Like I watch a lot of reality TV. Like watching the challenge is in no way relaxing because it's they make it so intense. But I I put it on when I need to relax. Anywho, I have another podcast, She Speaks Bravo, where I discuss all things Bravo. And I was trying to fill in like bonus episodes about other things besides Bravo over there. But it just wasn't working with the way I formatted it. So I was like, just a whole new show. Whole new show, a little spinoff. Little spinoff, She Speaks It All. You know, why not? So here I am. And the weekly roundup will just be me talking about what I watched this past week. This week's going to be a little different because I'm going to have to cover all of the season up to now for Yellow Jackets, Barry, Succession. So buckle up because it's going to be a long one, but I'm excited to just talk about any TV I want. Anywho, all right, let's get to it. Okay, let's start with something I'm actually quite disappointed in for for like meta reasons, not just entertainment. And that is this season of Drag Race All-Stars. Or shall I say this season of RuPaul's Drag Race Former Contestants. So, okay, here's... Here's what I think's happened, and I'm pretty sure all of you drag race heads are aware of it. When we had, it's it's kind of been known for a minute, but especially when we had the winners drag race uh, last season, they were pretty vocal about, not just them, but even the people that decided not to do the show, people were pretty vocal about how exhausting and difficult it actually is to do drag race now if you are a booked and busy queen. It's like you you spend a lot of money to bring a lot of shit on the show because you want to put your best foot forward because it is such great PR for you. Like you get tons of shit out of it. It's absolutely worth the investment. But the structure of the show where someone does get eliminated and go home like you spend all this money, you get there and then you're just done. It's like, well, great. I set aside all this time. And I think there's even stuff that happens after that. I don't know where they kind of like sequester them for a minute or something just in case something happens with another content. I don't know. But it's, uh, 
it's not this it doesn't have the same weight for returning queens who've been out there working and busy as it used to so like for example when you watch the second season of all stars it's magic like fucking magic i i had to throw it on uh after watching this last episode of this season of drag race all stars cuz i needed a palate cleanser i was like what the what is that like i this could literally just be a regular season of drag race and that's i i'm not even watching all stars so i'm sad because i bet what happened was they they're reaching out to people and they're like, I don't have time. I'm I'm actually booked and busy, so I don't have fucking time to do the show. And they just are kind of taking what they can get. And the people that probably want to come on the show would be maybe considered more like desperate to – just desperate. How about that? Desperate because they had something to prove from last time and it's do you see what I'm do you see where I'm going with this so when i saw the cast i was like okay what it's supposed to be all stars people who almost made it to the winning spot you know but those people are like uh-uh i'm not doing it anymore it's just and also we know now it's so heavily produced and controlled and not what it used to be where it was like real criticisms or judges critique, excuse me. It's very um, delicate and uh, like the whole thing with the, the choosing of the lipstick, choosing of the queen who goes home with the lip sync assassin. Like by now, if you haven't figured out that producers see who the, who the queens have picked versus who, the, the the queen who's lip singing or lip syncing, excuse me. So they see, okay, who did you pick? Cool, you're the one lip syncing. Okay, and then who did the group pick? Okay, cool. Uh, if they want the queen to go home or if it would be more dramatic for that queen to send that queen home, they make sure that that's the person who wins in the lip, because it's a lip, it's a, it's a lip sync assassin. Like they're not really like a winner. So this was a brilliant model because it brings back someone else who's fun. Yet another, maybe all-star who's like, I don't want to do the show. I don't want to compete. Sure. I'll come back for a cameo. But, but then, okay. So like they can, they can easily like reject that person. Be like, you lost. And they're like, okay, fine, whatever. But then that person gets to have the dramatic send-off. Like, this was so hard to do, but I have to send so-and-so home. And they're like, perfect, good TV. Am I making sense? I feel like by now we know that they've, they've, they choose these winners and they choose the losers based off, based off of these things. It's very controlled. So All-Stars is not – it doesn't hold the weight clearly anymore. Will it ever hold the weight again? I feel like they need to only do winners, all-stars, or nothing else. <laughs> like, only winners. I mean, how long can they do that for, though, right? But seriously, like, it, because, all right, so the rules are, and I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of confused. 
There's one top all-star face-off against Lip Sync Assassin, as we know. And then we know we know these rules. But then the new thing is that there's this like secret second vote online thing, which I'll get to. But even I'm like, so where do I go? I don't, whatever. We'll get to it. I'll get to it. Darian Lake. So I feel like I might get hate for this, but I think Darian Lake is not in any way a drag race level queen. She's really defensive. She's closed off. She has no real control of her of her body and is is that due to her size? I don't know, but it's I've seen we've seen like um what was her name? Um oh my god. Silky. I was 99% sure it was Silky, but I didn't want to misspeak. But yeah, Silky was albeit still a little sloppy, but had more control over her body than Darian. Um, Darian just seems, I don't know. I, I cannot emotionally connect to Darian. I can't connect to her performance. I can't connect to her runways. I feel like there's something about Darian that feels like a must hire. Like when, when I don't, I, it's like, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't understand how she was an all-star. Then we get James Mansfield, who I understand has taken her career to a comedy, like a TV and film kind of comedy place. And I can totally see it, but I'm more like, I'm just like an all-star. Someone eliminated first or second or third or whatever. It's not an all-star. So the very first episode, we get like the, the, the runway, you know, the runway looks. And I'm like, well, first of all, why does Raven even bother sitting for these runways? Like, Raven, you can't, if you're not going to want to be there, then just don't. But the, it was just such an underwhelming experience. I'm like, I don't want, this isn't, it's just call it another season of All-Star. It should be called like R- R- Drag Race Second Chances, not All-Stars. It's it's too much of a promising word. Um. Alexis with her Kim Kardashian all face covered moment was not it. Um, I I just was struggling so hard to gag. Maybe also because no, not I was going to say maybe because last season was so good. No, because it's not good. Period. And the shift, <laughs> the shift into judges in general from them from being like really harsh and sassy. Like remember before in the earlier days. All the promos, you know, when, they, when they're when they about to go to commercial, they're like, coming up, they would show the judges' critiques and it would be just them being savage, like the, like the quick cuts to Santino saying something just scathing, Michelle. Now, because we're just in a new era and like mental health, hello, they are so nice and careful and positive. But I'm like, I do sort of miss the days where they read these bitches to filth because they deserve it. I mean, we're practically giving these people participation awards. Like, 
So in episode three, it's the supermarket ball, and that's the legendary queen, Fruity Patootie, and supermarket supermodel. Uh, we get a, an alliance being formed between Lala, Lala Ree and Heidi. Ah! Whoa. Um, okay. You know, Lala Ree is also an example of someone who I wouldn't have thought to put in All-Stars, but I do like to see the evolution, but her makeup is really terrible, and I'm just waiting for Michelle to say something. Um, Like, really bad. But Heidi's great. Heidi's evolved so much. Uh, it turns out Alexis is a little slut in the DMs. She slid on into Jimbo's DMs. Kasha outs that Darian and her made out. And Darian doesn't look happy about that. Darian looks pissed. And Darian tells us that she's never been in a relationship. And that was like, oh, okay, that tracks. Like, you're very closed off and, and angry and haven't tapped into that and, and aren't – she's not self-aware. And I feel like there's there's no way to get through – like, usually on Drag Race, what happens is you get breakthroughs from queens. You get really, really – or you don't. They go home. But, like, that's the thing with Darian. You can't – she doesn't give – she doesn't get there. And I don't think she ever will. She, she's so closed off. And okay, the ball was fine. Uh, Heidi's dairy look great, fabulous, loved. All of Alexis's runway looks just look expensive. She's, she has put so much money into this. She would. She's so embarrassed from her first, <laughs> for her first time around. So she's like, I will go in there and I will be. <laughs> the When she started crying, uh, what episode? Was that Untucked? It might have been Untucked. I can't remember if it was Untucked or on the show. It had to have been Untucked. I can't remember if it was episode one or two of Untucked. But um, someone's crying because they're in the bottom. And she's like, I actually just need to cry more than you. Because, (laughs) like, sobbing. And not a soul was like, oh, Alexis. It was like, girl, pick it up. Pick it up, honey. Pick it up right now. But let's see. Lala Ree's second look, though. Okay, so she she gave a look that they gagged over, but I was like, is no one else? I thought it looked like ketchup and mustard. But whatever. I, it's like nothing really, really st- – when it's only a few looks that you're having to, like, kind of search through to be like, okay, I like this one. This is cool. But Kasha coming out with that sour face to be sour cream – I. Kasha kind of irritates me as a queen. She's just so like cartoonish and and like like a sideshow. And it's just it kind of gets on my nerves. Like, all right, like you're pushing it so, so much. See, I just I am being so mean. I may maybe I shouldn't talk about this season. Okay, and Darian can't walk a runway either. Although maybe I'm, I might have missed something. Maybe there's a disability. Maybe there's like a physical disability, and I'm being an asshole. I just, I don't know about it. So if there is, I apologize and please inform me. Um, But she just doesn't seem to have any control of her body or feel comfortable on the runway. And her, her outfits, her designs were terrible. I did like Kasha's banana outfit, even though it was very on the nose. Um. 
But Heidi's strawberry pants were just every the, the the strawberry pants, like the big strawberry pants with the with the curly hair in the front. Loved it. Um, Candy Muse, Candy, Candy, Candy Muse. She gives no range on the runway. I get that's her thing. I get her thing is that she's a smoldering supermodel. But she's not. She's also like a drag queen. And so it's the it's all she gives. She just gives that. And her designs aren't great enough for that to be the case. So I wish I she has such a fun personality, you know, so it's like it's kind of a bummer that that's all she does. Again, they get to the judges and I'm like, why are you guys not saying Lala Ree's makeup is bad? But I do, I did love her third look so much. Like I want to, I would wear that outfit. It was fantastic. JoJo's really cute as a judge. What did she say? Uh, it was, I think it was about, was it Kasha's look? She said, it looks like it's for a three-year-old who couldn't make up her mind of what birthday to have. Ha. I kept, honestly, I, I, I kept getting distracted on the judges' critiques. And I kept trying to rewind and rewash. But it, I just, I don't, I love Jessica Wilde too. But ever since she got the breast, like, thingy, whatever they call that, um, attachment, I don't know. It's like all she does. So then the lip sync is a waste of Raja. Because it becomes just booby jokes and booby tricks. And I think for... Gay men, I think booby tricks are so fun because it's like, we don't have boobs and this is what's fun about being a woman. But for a woman, it's like, yeah, I know boobs bounce. I get it. I get that that's all it is. And then, and then Kasha was eliminated, not Darian. And I was like, what, what am I missing? So yeah, very, this is not all-stars. This is former contestants who are getting a second chance. So bummed out. Really not excited about this cast or the show. See, I was episode three and I'm like, it's still not giving. But I want Heidi's great. Jimbo I like, but Jimbo's, I didn't realize Jimbo lip syncs were like that. I didn't know that he just like kind of, she just like bounced around and was like, doing that thing but I think she's really funny and she's very unique and I I like I like that so that's kind of a cool wild card for sure um but Heidi deaf love so I guess those are my front runners such polar opposites right couldn't be more different but that's that you know if if it doesn't if it doesn't get better I'm not just going to keep talking about the show just to drag it because that's just mean because the thing about drag queens is they need all the love and support they can get and that's why the judges stop being mean to them on the with the critiques and here i am talking all this shit just don't call it drag race i mean sorry don't call it all stars you know but let's get off of that Let's oh, we go to another scathing thing. I'm going to be okay. Actually, no. Let's go to Yellow Jackets. Yellow Jackets is a better bet because I have very mixed feelings about Yellow Jackets, and I hope you guys aren't sad about that. But here we go. Okay, so I would bet money 
that the creators, the writers of this show did not anticipate getting picked up for so many seasons because it's giving me the same vibe that Lost had. And if you're too young for Lost, Lost is very much this show. It's about these people who are on an airplane and it crashes and they have to live on this island. But then it it goes into these sort of like supernatural places and you're not quite sure what the supernatural place is. And the whole time you're basically figuring out what is the supernatural of it all. And what drove – okay, so I didn't watch Lost in its entirety uh, during its airtime. Now, this is before streaming was a thing. So in order for me to watch it, I had to watch it on DVD. And my ex-boyfriend had it on DVD. So I binged it on the DVDs. And watching it in order, I was like, dude, what? why are the writers kill, like filling every single episode? This would have driven me crazy if I was waiting a whole week to watch this. And what they would do on Lost is they would – because it was a big plane full of people, you had your main cast that you had already met. They would introduce some new people that you'd never seen. Like there's some other passengers from the plane that also were abandoned here that you've never met. And you're like, oh, okay, who are these guys? And you'd follow them around for a whole episode. And then the last like maybe 10 minutes, you'd get, you'd pick up on the cliffhanger from the week before. And you'd be like, what's the hatch? Where are we going with this? Because the cliffhanger from before was them like opening up the door to something. And you're like, what was it? And they would cliffhang you. So now I got, I've had to sit through some episode about these people I don't even know. And I'm running around with them. And then finally, the last 10 minutes, I get a little bit more of that teaser. And then they cut out again. And it turns out the writers of Lost were like, we did not anticipate writing this many seasons. So we were like, I don't know how to stretch this for like 25 episodes. This is when, this is when seasons were that long, you know, because it was a network show. It was like ABC, I think. Uh, don't quote me on that. But, or NBC, I don't know. But so, yeah. It, so this is giving me the same vibes, Yellow Jackets, because the first season was a little... uh. I got a little I got a little turned off by by this one part of the first season. We're in the, we're, we're I'm in it with them. Like I'm like, "Oh my god, they've been abandoned like in this thing and they're living out the thing and there's this cool supernatural element. What the fuck is this supernatural element?" And I wasn't really comparing it to Lost first season because honestly, everything's been quote done. Just because they've been abandoned in a plane and whatever doesn't mean it's the same thing. You can't you can you kind of have to steal ideas in theory, right? So they set us up for this in modern times, you know, the gr- the women are sort of, there's hinting at this thing like something followed us here. It's always been with us. It, it's always been with us. And then they're getting stalked and, and there's, something's coming for them and, and you don't know what it is. And then it turns out it's just her bumbling idiot husband and his stupid friend that were trying to extort them. And I was like, oh, oh, that was so, such a strange turn for this show. Like I, I was a little disappointed, but then 
I told, I talked about this with someone else and they said, yeah, I kind of liked that though. I liked that they're mixing your sort of typical family drama stuff in with this show about something so bizarre. And so I said, okay, I'll get, okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. So I've been trying to go with it, right? Then they start this second season and it is gory. Like the, I mean, it's tough. It's real tough. Can we just submit that? I'm not, I don't do so good with it, but I get that that's their choice. Their choices are there. Those are their choices with the, with the cannibalism because they hinted at it. They talked about it. Um, and now they're showing it. So there we are and it's bleak and how else, how else are they going to live? Um, but here we go. At some point, the writers are like, We're ha- how many seasons we got to make of this? And they then have to map out, well, okay, we can't reveal too much right away because then that's the whole show. So this season is feeling to me very similar to what Lost did, where they're like filling episodes with stuff and not always getting a lot of um, progression with the story. What the fuck is it? It wants this. It wants us. It wants... And I thought they knew. I thought they were in the woods all that time and they ended up like surrendering themselves to whatever that spirit thing was and then they're going to finally tell us. But it turns out they don't even know. And then I was like, I did the writers not know? And they were like, okay, the women don't know either. How about that? Then we can really drag it out. Because I thought they, I thought Lottie knew. I would, th- I thought w- they were going to inform us, but instead it's still a mystery even to them. And I'm like, yo, you guys. So we're, when are we going to find out what this dumb thing is? This really pissing me off. Because it's starting to drag on and on and on. And now we're adding in all these layers and it's feeling very lost. Lost added all these additional storylines that by the end of it, you're like, what are we trying to figure out again? Oh, yeah. We're, wait, the people with the on the top? Okay. The people that own the island? Jacob? It was just, there was so many things happening. So by episode five, the whole I can't tell you what I saw bit is just getting real tired. Just fucking talk. I hurry it up. And all right. The woman playing young Juliet Lewis is doing such an intense impersonation of Juliet Lewis that it's keeping her so one note. And I, I I'm gonna sound like such a dick. And this is what you're gonna get from me. I, I'm I'm finding myself frustrated with the acting from the younger cast. Not their fault. I think it's the directing. But you'll even if you watch Drag Race, you'll hear them even say when the when they do when the queens do sketches and things like it was one note. It's it, they're always like in this just in the same exact place. But I guess like what else would what else would they be doing? They'd be pretty. Uh, they'd be pretty wild, right? But um, 
I don't know. I like I I'm just starting to get burnt out. It feels like we're never going to get to the thing. What's the thing? What's happening? And then here's another question. Juliet Natalie stabbed the chick in the face with that fork or knife or whatever and all she has is this tiny little scratch. I mean, she stabbed her in the face. I also completely forgot that Christina Ritchie's character destroyed the plane's transmitter. And that's why they weren't rescued. Like, I completely forgot that. I completely forgot that. Uh, I have in quotes, this is a line from Vanessa. Don't make me convince you to let me help you. That's a good line. So I'm struggling. I'm struggling to enjoy this season at this point because I just want to know what the hell is happening and I could tell we're not going to find out. They're just going to end the season so that they can have another season. I can tell. But I guess it's meant to be like there's all these different things happening and that's what's that's what's that's what's fun, right? Because now we're like what is going to happen with the the guy, the the body they just found? Is she going to go to prison? But I doesn't anyone does anyone else feel like Shauna's going to always be okay? Maybe that's just because um, that actress just has that vibe to her. But I'm just like, she'll be fine. Shauna's going to be fine. The husband, I don't know. The, I don't know why, but I feel like Shauna, she'll be fine. Like, I'm not worried about Shauna for some reason. Um, I do like the pivot they did to Shauna's daughter knowing and being in on the whole thing. Toxic. Yeah, not great. Not great parenting. But she was figuring it out, you know. I needed them to be connected as a family unit um, in this really dark way. Uh, so we end, okay, we end that with Natalie saying, once again, there was something darker out there with us and we brought it back. And so that's when I was like, so okay, we're not going to find out what it is. They're, they're still trying to figure out we're not going to find out what it is this season. I've accepted it. We're just going to get at the end of this season, we're just going to get a little bit closer. Mark my words. So buckle up because that's the cliffhanger and that's going to really piss me off because we're on episode eight. We're, we are finally like wrapping up the whole murder, cover up, husband, blackmail storyline or not wrapping it up but like tying it up like we're finally like kind of getting it we're bringing it back in if you will because honestly like I kind of forgot (laughs) up until that point I was like oh yeah her husband did that and they got to talk about that that's why they thought they needed to kill a guy and then they chopped him up so it's like yay we're like we're tying things back in together it's been so long since we talked about this. It was like the middle of the first season. So, you know, maybe that's just my bad memory. But uh, then they do they, they do that dream sequence of Jeff's where he's dreaming that he's having – he's about to have sex with her, his wife, and then she starts cutting him up. Blech. Oh, God, you guys. I have a hard time. But um, it was really strangely directed. His acting was like, was it intentionally bad? They're just making choices this season. It's like there's the the it's like the genre. I'm confused what the genre is. Sometimes it's like Dexter. Sometimes it's like Lost. 
sometimes it's like a family drama. But I guess that's just what Yellow Jackets is. It's its own thing. And I'm try I'm trying to go with it. I just get I keep getting like pulled out of it and not fully getting it. Um, and I I don't get why was why did they let Shauna beat Lottie to within an inch of her life? I so many things just like because they were just going so nuts in the woods and like that's like Lottie's. She's just like she's Lottie, and they let her do this stuff because she's Lottie, and she knows that. The, the thing in the woods is the thing that wants her to be beaten. I'm tr I'm trying so hard to like, I'm missing something, right? But like these things keep happening, but what did that have to do with the Why did that happen? What did that teach us? Why did, why did we go through that episode? Did she, because she's going to have an epiphany during that. But then she doesn't, right? It's not a real epiphany. See what I'm saying? Like it's like they're, it's like this whole thing happens for a whole episode to barely move the needle forward because they're stalling. They're stalling. Shauna's monologue is great. Um, uh, she's the, the monologue about how she says she wants to fix it, but she's she's just making things worse. It was a great monologue. She's a great actress. Um, and I got really excited because then comes Juliette Lewis's character. Natalie's goes, let's talk about it. Let's really, really talk about it. And I'm like, yes, I want to hear what the fuck happened in the woods, guys. Like what, like it, what happened? What do you guys, what, what? I feel like there's a thing we're missing or something. But then Lottie comes in with, we have to give it what it wants. Can we just find out what it is already? What is it? Tell me. Like, do you got you guys don't know, do you? You haven't figured it out yet. The writers, I mean, the writers. And so then they they show the scene where they were going to kill Natalie to f because they couldn't kill Lottie. And then they go like they like it was nuts. And then Shauna goes, that's not real. And I'm like, so wait, did she hallucinate that? And then now Lottie's like, no, it wants a sacrifice. But then why from these specific six of you? There were more people in the woods than just these specific six. I don't understand. So when you were beaten and hallucinating, you thought it wanted a human sacrifice okay cool but then shauna's like that didn't happen so you were okay and also again why just from you guys huh you should call everyone who's still still alive and be like we all need to get together and drink this tea and see who dies and then we'll all be fine technically and then Lottie's line, it will help us survive now if we give it what it wants. Okay, well, but someone's going to literally die. So that is uh, misleading. Okay. The sim then, then they're, okay, now they're back and now we're back in like early in like the younger times. Um, Coach sees the symbol on the rock and then goes into like this cave thing. And I I'm like, okay, this is lost. This is the hatch. 
in Lost. We are fully doing Lost. And there's all these like bones on the ground. It's you guys. <laughs> so crazy. And then Natalie lets Javi die in the water. I thought this was a hallucination. I swear I was paying really close attention. I was taking notes. And then this, but then shouldn't have this been the sacrifice according to Lottie's near-death vision? Like, shouldn't, like, wouldn't have, wouldn't that have been, like, it? Wouldn't Lottie have been like, okay, it got it. It got it. We're good. It got the the thing, the human sacrifice. Sweet. Cool. See, I like, I don't get it. I want to get it, but like, so what's, now I'm really, I'm honestly, I don't even care about, how about this? I'm actually just going to focus on Shauna and her husband. That's my tactic. I'm just going to focus on Shauna and her husband and her daughter because fuck that nasty ass cop who went undercover and tried to like hit on the daughter. That's really gross. Yeah. Mm hmm. All right. So how about that? Because like, I'm done with you, Lottie. You're really annoying me. I, like, it's not your fault as the actor because it's just being written that way. But I'm like, stop talking about it. Okay. If you don't fucking know what it is by now, we're over it. Okay. Done. And Christina Ritchie's character, girl, you are a serial killer. For real. Like, for real. You are a serial killer, honey. You've killed many people. We've watched it. Oh, and then wait, yeah, Elijah Wood's character, he calls to tip off. He's like, I have information for you. <gasps> what does that mean? Is he turning on his girlfriend? Which would be such – that. see, now I'm more interested in that. Okay, maybe I do like – I just – the supernatural stuff, I feel like they get they got in over their head. They were like, we shouldn't have added this part. <laughs> they didn't know what the plan was. So we're not going to figure out what the supernatural element of it is until like the end of the series because they're like, we fucked up. We should have never added that. But the rest of it's kind of fun. Like the murder mystery part of it, like like the not murder mystery. There is no mystery. We know exactly what happened. But like the true crime element, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling that. Loving that. I have to say, though, there is zero chemistry between Shauna and her husband. Those actors just don't make sense together at all. And is that the point? It's just looks like such weird casting. Like, you guys screen test these people? Like, what? But now that it's, now that it's going, now that they're like, okay, we only have a couple episodes left of the season, so we can really move story forward because we had to fill, we had to fill those other episodes. Like we got the episode of Shauna's pregnant or Shauna's birth, you know. I was obviously not surprised that that baby didn't live because I don't know how they're alive. They're barely alive, and so it's like I, you know, I'm I'm, an, I'm going to imagine the baby doesn't survive. But we got a whole episode of the birth and then a very tiny and tiny amount of propelling the story forward. And I was like, aha, this is what they're doing. They're losting us. They're losting us. Um, but now they're moving the story forward. So it's going to get going. Um, but I mark my words. We're only going to get a tiny bit of the supernatural answer. And I think I believe it's picked up for five seasons. 
Don't quote me on that. Someone told me that and I didn't bother looking at looking it up. <laughs> I just said, okay. So there we go. All right. Now that I've ripped that apart, um, let's move it along to Barry, which I'm not going to talk about too much. All right, Barry. Here's the deal. What got me into Barry was the acting class element mixed with the hitman element. And somehow I get it, you know, that's just the direction the story, the, the, the seasons went. But we are so far removed from that that now we've written it into such a dark and gloomy place that I'm like, wow, this is a chore to watch. Thanks, Bill. Like, you guys really, if it wasn't for Hank and Fuchs, it's like, God, you guys really need to take it here. And I get it. I totally get the choice. I I can follow it. It's it's, uh, fair, but it's like, it's 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 just such a far cry from where we were and i know we've been off i know we've been off the acting class shit for a while now but like just really dawned on me like man we've come so far from that funny setting to this and it's just really really bleak um some highlights though to this up to this point were the hank and cristobal presentation at dave and buster's what that was Amazing. Once they agree, they let them play games and they bring the when they the, the gangsters, they, they let them bring those prizes into the like TED talk portion of the presentation for the sand transporting. Oh my god, that was really fucking funny. Um Hank wanting to save Barry at first. It's just so Hank. God, it's one of the best characters ever written, I think. Hank, just so well done. So Gene's monologue to, oh wait, that's another good one. Gene's monologue, when Gene would do the, instead of just talking to the reporter, he does like a full monologue on stage. Great. Uh, But we'll start, well, episode seven just happened and he's in this like virtual reality thing. And while he's in there, uh, like I, I'm not good. I, I'm not good with the names of the characters with this guy's name. Uh, he figures out or he sees that there was 25k to Kusano. I'd forgotten about that completely. Um, and so he leaves him there to go do that. Oh my god, when when Hank when they're like when when Hank asks his guys how the how the hit went and Fuchs sent the heads of the hitmen and Hank keeps opening up the boxes he's like it's a head and he keeps opening he's like why do I keep opening this <laughs> that actor is that like he's the one who makes those lines so funny he's the he's truly the reason why that shit is so fucking funny honestly and then they have the really funny scene with the sit down with the women like Fuchs and his like team is like gang sit down with the women as to how they can maybe keep them away from the guys when they have to cut off people's heads or something. And the one guy's like, I think if we have ample notice, we can let them know, like maybe go see a movie. 
and they're all coming up with different things and arguing like these are these funny moments are there. <laughs> they they trick they <laughs> they are so smart. They trick Gene into talking to an agent about doing the movie by saying Daniel Day-Lewis wants to play him. And that would get him wanted <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah. Then, oh my God. Okay, so Hank, sh- <laughs> the scene where Hank shoots the rocket and then it doesn't work and they're like, I only, I only gave you one. And so they have to drive off. And it's really hilarious. It's really hilariously shot because it's shot. For, it doesn't move. It doesn't track the car. It just stays at the top. So from that perspective, it's really funny. Um, and then, then, but then I'm like, wouldn't he be dead? Like, wouldn't Hank be absolutely dead? Considering the guys are like walking up on the car and shooting at it. It was, a, it was weird. He ends up being fine. But I was like, they would have just shot him in the head. I guess. Whatever. Then Sally. What was this, guys? Sally goes over and talks to the officer. She fi- she gets to Fuchs's house with, this, her, with her poor son. And Fuchs isn't there. And so she sees the cop and she goes to turn herself in. And he takes his glasses off and he has an eye that's bleeding. What a... Oh, my God. And then the Russians take her and her son. And then, so it turns out the gene tricked by Daniel Day-Lewis bit. It's the guy who was playing the agent was actually in one of his classes. <laughs> but so they piece together. They piece together that the money he took from Barry, this is so sad. The money he took from Barry was to actually kill, uh, what's her name? Damn it, I forgot her name. But that's so sad because that she found the drug money at the theater or something like that. That's sad. And the episode ends on Barry waking up to his Christian music ringtone and it's Hank saying, I have your kids. It's, you know, it's nothing's really, I guess, wrong about this episode. It's just like I was so soured by the episodes I was forced to sit through where they were in the middle of nowhere in that like build a home. I was like, what am I watching? This is so depressing. And I, I get it. They re- What it felt like is they sat around and really thought about where would Barry be? What would Barry be doing? What would Sally be doing? How would they live? How would they have a son? It's like, and so they really, really gave us that character development. And yeah, I, I see it. I'm, it's very, it's well, de- it's well developed. It's well thought out, but it's just such a boring route to take. My God, but I guess it tracks. It makes sense. So like their choice was fine, and there's nothing technically wrong with it. It's just like, oh, all right, so you, okay, cool. So yeah, I'm a little bummed out because this is the last season of Barry, and I just kind of want it to be over. I've really enjoyed many of the seasons of Barry up to now. So I just was like, all right, well, Bill's like, I'm so done with this show. It's what it feels like. So that's all I got to say about Barry. Literally, I got like less than 10 minutes of Barry content because I feel like he's kind of over it, Bill and his partner. I was going to cover the Challenge World Champions, but I don't love the season. I 
like I I generally don't like too many of the spinoffs where they mix our challenge people <clears throat> with other people in this capacity. I don't mind when they bring new people onto the challenge, but I am one of those like seniority people. It's like, um, this is our show, okay? And as much as there were some good moments, I just I'm not I'm not connecting with the cast that they've got here. So I'm not even I haven't even finished it. Like I don't even know what episode they're on. I tried to catch up and I was like, eh, whatever. But uh, let's move on to the big one. The big one that's going to take me a minute to get through. So I'm actually going to take a little quick break before I get into it. And we're going to discuss the Big Daddy succession. All right. Episode one. It feels so easygoing and healthy with the three of them just starting their own thing and being siblings in power and their own power without their dad and and doing some like admittedly bullshit little company that they're going to spend a, mo- a million billion dollars on because they're like this the the children of this huge mogul it was just very cute Right. It was like, oh, they're all together now. But Shiv is already they're already busting Shiv right off the top for talking with the Jimenez team and snaking around. And when Roman and like this is the thing. We get already from the beginning of this season such a shift, such a change from all the other seasons. And it's so amazing there's such a trio. There's such a strong bond that we've, they've always been at odds. And so when Roman and Kendall make the, like, I don't know, were they investors, reporters? I don't know. When they make them wait so that they can talk to Shiv about Tom and Naomi Pierce, I loved it. It's like, okay, we are not, this is not, this is going to be a season of unity. It's like they knew they, they, they got our letters and they said, okay, they like it when they all are getting along. It's like when Kendall finally confessed that, you know, he killed a guy and they were able to talk about it. And and <laughs> Roman made the joke. It's like, well, I mean, I had to wait an hour and a half for a vodka tonic. So who's the real victim here? You know, and it, it helped. It helped Kendall. Like when they're together, the three of them, there's something so powerful to that. Tom talks to Logan when he talks about like what would happen if we if I were to find myself um you know not married and Logan just says if we're good we're good and Tom says well that's heartening <laughs> but the reason they decide if the siblings decide to buy Pierce is because Tom met up with Naomi Pierce and they put it together that that is what Logan is doing. And so Roman Roman's all into the hundred, man. He's like, what the hell, guys? What about the hundred? And Kendall's like, are you scared of fighting dad? And Roman says, no, that's just fucking getting old. And it's true. But then Shiv finally is like, all right, let's just admit it. The hundred's kind of bullshit. And I want to have a say in this upcoming election. So they're in it. They're in for Pierce. 
it 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 really takes me like four four full watches of an episode to get what they're talking about in terms of business strategies. Like for the first two, at least two watches, I'm like, mm-hmm, no idea. No idea why they're doing any of this, but I'm here for it. You know, I don't need to know. That's none of my business until I start to, until I have to watch it the fourth time. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Okay, I got it. Yep, following. Greg's date to Logan's birthday. Tom, Tom, she brought a ludicrously capacious bag. What's even in there, huh? Flat shoes for the subway? That is, it's an amazing line. Greg, okay, have you guys seen the Nicholas Braun stuff and how these women came out that he's just like a sleazy scumbag in the bar he owns in New York and just hits on, he's, he's in his late 30s and he hits on women who are like 20, 21 years old. He's just like gross. And also I think a teenager or someone who was a teenager at the time was like, yeah, Nicholas Braun totally hit on me when I was like 15 and knew I was 15. So... I have a hard time looking at him, but it tracks because now he's like the creepiest. Greg is awful. And he loves being the disgusting brothers. He would. When they go to see Nan, her fake, like, I hate all this bargaining nonsense. Oh, I hate it. Girl, you love it. Girl. She's, it's, it's so, she's such a, well-crafted uh character because she's she's just as greedy but has to pretend she's not logan loses the peer steel by trying to be insulting you know by 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 undercutting rather than being generous and that's how he loses it Episode two is where we get um, Carrie's audition tape. <laughs> I love Roman and Kendall watching it and making fun of it. There's a, because Shiv had to go outside to this one. Shiv makes a call or she gets a call from the lawyer or someone saying that you basically Tom has all the lawyers in town. And uh, Kendall in the background of the scene, you hear his line is, if he puts this on air, this is easily packaged as symptomatic of total loss of judgment and control. <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie. At first, I didn't understand what Shiv was doing with trying to call Sandy's daughter. And I'm like, so, mm, okay, yeah, we need... Uh, the, the whole it's like it's just so funny watching entire scenes and being like no idea <laughs> no idea why they do, are doing this but okay logan's monologue the big monologue i'm i've just he's it, brian cox is just so notoriously terrible to work with that when he does these monologues i'm just like ugh. i just imagine him screaming this at them in real life if you don't know he's not a nice guy just grumpy and mean but yeah no he's yeah like we've seen enough of these monologues that I don't need it anymore I don't need him screaming and you are all pirates pirates with his like jaw I don't know 
Okay, thank you. You're a dinosaur now. I'm so happy that this character's gone. I, it was the right thing to do. It really was. Bye-bye, Logan. Bye-bye. But yeah, his monologues are old. I just feel like they're so uh, masturbatory at this point. Like, it's just like, it's just to stroke Brian Cox's ego. Like, and then you get one of your monologues, Brian, because you'll throw a fit if you don't. Lord, it's like, this is all you do. Like, he doesn't need it. But I get, I get why they did it. I get why they put it in there. But I'm like, for what? That's going to happen. Logan being petty and blocking them from the air transportation. Loved it. But what I love even more, Stu. I love Stewie. I love him. And now I understand. I finally was like, oh, okay. They needed Sandy because they want to block the Gojo deal. And they're on the board. And so and so Shiv has to pretend like she doesn't want them there, but like she's trying to get them into it. Okay, cool. Got it. Willa runs off on Connor. So they have to take Connor out drinking, even though this is like not great timing. And while they're out, they they see that Roman has broken the no contact rule with dad by wishing him a happy birthday. And they're giving him all this shit and like reading all reading all the, the, the you know how you read a text and they're like, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm getting all shit for saying happy birthday, dad, period. Take care, Roman. <laughs> Shiv tells the boy, she's like, well, you know, dad helped Tom by getting a divorce lawyer. Roman goes, hey, I'm genuine about us three. And stop ganging up on me like you're Lennon and McCartney, like I'm fucking George. I'm John, motherfuckers. And then he goes to Shiv, Ringo, and then to Kendall, Yoko. <laughs> and he goes, he's still Connor, but he won having drinks with us at an auction. Oh, and then we get that major scene, the major, major fucking scene with Logan in the karaoke because Connor wants to go karaoke and the major scene with Logan and the kids. Logan doesn't want to ask for more money and Shiv and Kendall do. Or do they? Is it just a power play to like test their dad? You know, is it just like you can do it and we're going to force you to do it? And Con- when the, their dad Lee and poor little Roman Roman's like please don't because this was a moment for like Shiv to say whatever she wanted to say and Kendall will say whatever Kendall wanted to say but Connor calls them needy love sponges and he says that I'm a plant that grows on rocks and insects that die inside of me oof oof so good the writing oh my god how is writing so good? How do they do it? How the fuck do they do it? I tell you, I don't get it. They're just so talented. Truly. Oh, God, when Roman has to fire Jerry. Oh, man. Brutal. But then that's what really makes Roman like he that's when he calls and leaves the message for his dad. He goes, yep, that's the question. Are you a cunt? Give me a buzz. It's funny when Greg sees this is at Connor's wedding. When Greg sees the siblings for the first time, he like tries to talk to them. And Kendall goes, stay out of our trough, Greggy. She goes, don't touch me. He's such a leech. So Madsen wouldn't talk to Logan on the phone. So this is why... 
Logan is on the plane. Um, Shiv gets nominated. So I have this whole scene written out because this scene is so fucking amazing. So I'm going to get real into this because this is like, I just, one of the most amazing, this is like Emmy, give it an Emmy right now. Shiv gets nominated to go break the news to Connor that, that their dad isn't coming to the wedding. So she leaves. Tom has already called her twice and she's ignored it. Tom then calls Roman and does the, your dad is very sick. He's very, very sick, which is a bunch of perfect thing to say, right? Very, very sick. Because like, what do you say? And sick is a very weird word because you're like sick, sick, like what? Like, like who's sick? But it's what else do you say? And it was a perfect line. It is very bad. And Tom says he's non-responsive. And the way Kendall and Roman are just both looking at the phone and they are so perfectly in character and their dialogue is so perfectly them because they're still brats. They get what they want, you know, and they and they're used to telling everyone what to do. And and is he talking? Is he breathing? And then Tom says they're doing chest compressions. And that's when you see Roman go, oh, fuck. His face, everything changes. And the way Kendall turns into who was medically competent there. Like he he goes into that mode of just being a like a prick rich guy who's, you know, I, no one knows what they're doing, do they? And Carl gets on and says they're receiving medical advice from the cabinet service. And then Frank suggests they speak to him. Roman, why does he think that? And Tom says, in case, in case it is the last chance. And when Roman, what do you mean, Tom? And Tom can't answer. Tom says they're doing chest compressions. And Frank the way it's being done, too, because sometimes it's like through the phone that you hear it. So there's the chaos of like sometimes being on the plane to see it, but then only hearing it through the phone. So you're equally as confused as they are and you're trying to piece it together. And you're like, there's no way he's dying. Is that what they're really saying? Because we as the audience were like, we just talked to him. And that's exactly why they did it this way. And Frank says they're getting advice from good people, but I think you should talk to him. I don't think he's breathing. And Kendall, we just heard he's not breathing. You shouldn't do chest compressions on a man who isn't breathing. Frank. (laughs) So good. And then Roman goes, this is very subtle. Roman goes, can you breathe without a heart? Can't you? (laughs) It's like, how do they? They're so in it that they can deliver these lines that are comedic lines, but they're sad. (laughs) So, Tom, this shot is brilliant. He says, I'm taking you to him now and putting you up to his ear so he'll be able to hear you. And the shots on the plane are so perfectly lit in shadow and like almost silhouette. And it's the shot of the flight attendant. It's so lonely. It's the shot of the flight attendant doing chest compressions as Tom puts the phone up to his ear. Where you then, you've, you, up to that point, we hadn't seen what was happening to Logan. And then to see that was like, oh, my God. And R- Roman, oh, my God. He, like, the Kieran Culkin just is so spectacular. He's more spectacular than ever. He's, the way he can't really get it, like, um, hey, Dad, I hope you're okay. You're, you're okay. You're going to be okay because you're, you're a monster and you're going to win because you just win. And, and then he goes, you're a good man. 
you're a good dad. You're a very good dad. You you did a good job. And then he does like a Chandler level comedic thing where he's like, I, I can't. And then he hands the phone. He goes, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't know how to do that. And gives it to Kendall. And Kendall's like perfectly frozen, which is what Kendall would do, right? He would just be frozen. And... Roman has to like coax him. It's so sweet. He's like, "I'll be, it'll be okay," and then so again, like, "It'll be okay. We love you, Dad. I love you, Dad. I, I do. I love you." Okay, and then now they do these shots of Frank and Carl listening on the plane as you hear Kendall speaking through the phone, and it really was like impactful because they knew the relationship as well, and it was very intimate that they would get this moment. I'm going to cry talking about it. And he's like, even though, even though I don't know, I, I can't, I can't forgive you. Yeah, I can't forgive you. Wow. I'm fucking crying talking about it. But uh, it's okay. And uh, I love you. And that's it. Like the fact that Kendall in the last moment says he can't forgive him. It was so well done. And then Tom asks, I can't believe I'm crying, if Shiv is there, and they're like, we're going to go get her. He's not here, I don't think. And I think that means Logan's gone. Then Ken goes to get Shiv. And the way it's filmed of Kendall going to get Shiv, and you just, like, want him to go get her, and you don't want anyone to interfere because, like, you know Logan's already gone. So it's like this race against times. You're like, just get her, but be cool, Kendall. And the way he can't quite tell her, he's just going to say chest compressions. He was in a bathroom. He was having trouble breathing. And the whole time, it's track. this tracking shot is following them all the way through and then up the stairs. And then by the time they get up there, you hear Roman start from a distance. Shiv is coming. And then he goes, they think he's gone. They think he's gone. And Shiv says, what do you mean? And Roman says, they think dad died like a little kid. He's like a little kid at that point. Oh, I can't handle it. And Shiv's like, Sarah Snook is just so in it. And she's like, no, I can't have that. And Kendall asks Tom if Shiv can do it. He's like, can Shiv do it? Can you put her by the ear? And oh God, her scene is heartbreaking too. I, I, There really aren't even notes to to say because I would not do any justice to her lines. She just emoted everything in her eyes and in her face. But Roman and Kendall watching and crying, the fact that they gave, I want to start crying again. It's like, it's such a good scene. Oh my God, it was so ridiculous. It's so, so, so good because it's, it's so heavy. You know, you, they're like, they captured it perfectly. Oh, okay. I need to relax. Oh my God. It's so good. I'm going to go watch it for like the eighth time. I seriously have watched, I've watched that and the like, what do they call it? The after the show thing, behind the scenes thing. So many times because the way they shot it was just brilliant. Oh, so good. And then Kendall, <laughs> Kendall goes into his mode, right? He, he asks to be put through the flight deck and he calls Frank's phone 
and he's he's yelling he's yelling and frank is pissed but he stays calm in his voice and frank has to tell him like you know ken I, he's flying the plane ken like like ken, kendall was once again like a 10 year old little brat calling to be like frank i want to talk to mm, i want to talk to this person and frank's like okay ken uh we can't do that okay it just became apparent that they were the kids you know that these were the children not the adults at the table right and so Ken, the way he stutters this and he says, well, well where's, where's the information? Where's the, well, tell them to, to do it, to do it right. Okay. Yeah. Carrie's choices, like the actor's choices uh, for after Logan died were interesting. The way she's like all shaky and giggly. I get what she was going for, I think, but it was a little odd, her choices. Um. I like Carl calling her Chuckles the Clown. Um, and then I just, all the aftermath after that. Just, it's a, a brilliant episode. Shiv talking to the press. I, I, wait, I also liked Kendall talking about the funeral. We can do a funeral off the rack. We can do Reagan with tweaks. <laughs> brilliant. Ugh, okay, that'll be the only time I cry in this show, I promise. Whew. Such a good show. It's making me cry reading my own notes about the show. Okay? That's how good the show is. So episode four, Shiv's fucking pregnant. Twist. Amazing twist. Did anyone else think, is it Tom's? Because I did. No one is scarier than Marsha. I don't remember that until she shows up and I'm like, never mind. She's the scariest one. She has tortured people in like, she's like tortured POWs. And then she also says, we spoke intimately every evening. Okay. All right. Now we're in this like battle over power. There's the business peeps, Jerry, Carl, Tom, they all want it. And then the kids. Roman calls Madsen, but that Oscar guy answers. This fucking guy. Oh, man. Oh, man. I swear to God, this fucking guy. Uh, he's like he he won't he says you know he was calling last chance unfortunately because you know we have this company strategy sesh this week and so kendall's like okay like it, we, it wasn't a power play dude we literally were just like making sure we were all on the call like oh yeah yeah sure man we know we know this isn't for him this isn't from him he's just on a super tight schedule now the guy playing oscar is doing such a good job being a dick and then Shiv is so, she's like, uh, but is he still, does he just like want to say hi? Like he's still buying the company, right? And Roman's like, chill out, chill the fuck out. And Oscar's, oh, sure, man. Yeah, maybe if you don't squeeze too tight. Uh, he's excited to speak to you guys. Uh, who will be leading? Meaning like, stop all three of you talking to me. It's just, Shiv's, Shiv's funny. She's like, uh, we're just huddling on that right now. We're a pretty fluid group. And she's like, idiot. Why did I say that? Kendall suggests that they like reconfigure. He's like, perfect timing. You guys are going to go on your retreat. Why don't you reconfigure? And then we do our board pick and or we do our board and pick our captain. Oscar talks to Matson and he's like, well, we don't want to lose momentum. And you're like, what the fuck does that mean? And Kendall's like, uh-huh. 
uh-huh, nor us. And Shiv's like, okay, you obviously know what happened here yesterday, right? And Oscar goes, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, we really feel for you guys. Bad one. <laughs> this is just the writing. It's like, because you know there's just pricks like this. Pricks. Roman's like, yeah, bad one. Thank you for that. Thanks. And Oscar goes, yeah. But, you know, could you guys or whoever, one of the old guys, be here in 24 hours to do this? <gasps> oh, okay. Shiv goes, uh, I'm sorry, our dad just died and we have the election coming up. How would you feel about doing this in the U.S.? And Oscar goes, Oscar says, this is the annual retreat. We can't just drop it. Oh, yeah. No, of course not. No. Heaven forbid. Yeah. So this is also the episode. This is the memorial service episode where they find the piece of paper. And it's fully a cross out, right? Regardless, Kendall gets a taste of his father's love and flips back into, like, who he thinks his dad would be. Frank is like, don't do it, kid. Don't do it. You're almost out. Just get out. Get on out of there. Marsha is such a fucking bitch to Carrie. And Roman gets like a, a glimpse of just how sad it is, like the people that are left in in Logan's wake. And Roman makes fun of Tom. Tom now, okay, so look, I was kind of not mad at Tom at the end of last season because Shiv was so terrible to Tom. That's the thing. It felt like he was willing to do anything for the company. And these brats are over here just like, you know, being brats. And so I wasn't, I was like, Ooh, this is a cool play for sure. They're taking Tom's character to a place where I'm like, Oh, he's such a little snake. He's a little, oh, like he sucks. So Roman's, Roman is totally fine to make fun of Tom because Tom comes over and tries to kiss up to him and Roman's like, oh, look at you, tiptoe Tommy. Just sucking up to me. Stu is so good to see with Kendall. I love any time they have like a friend scene. I love it. They have such a history... I'm like, I have, I'm congested from when I cried. Excuse me. They have such a history of like high stakes business deals going wrong, fucking each other over, but they're still friends. And so Kendall wants Stu to go for him as CEO. And Stu's like, okay, what's in it for me? And Kendall actually goes, maybe do a solid for your oldest pal the day after his dad died. You know what? If you're going to ever use that card, use it. Kendall, keep, it's sweet because Kendall does keep trying to talk to the siblings and they keep ignoring him per usual. And so he finally like forces them like, guys, stop. Like, we're not we don't need to ignore me. I'm not going to fuck you over. You know, so they make Connor leave as they three of them talk. He's so Kendall. Oh, he's so adorable absorbing their feedback. Like he's clearly not comfortable, but he also like is He's like, no, no, I, I can do this. I can, I can, I can do it. Like Roman saying, he's not comfortable with it being just him. And Kendall's like, yeah, okay, actually, I, I can agree, I can agree. And they 
they they do make it makes sense why why Shiv wouldn't be in there. And Shiv's also such a great character because Shiv's such a bitch, obviously, but she's also like a dork. And I usually don't like to use that word, but she is. And even in this episode when she like rolls her ankle and Tom and Stu go to help her and she's like, leave me alone. Like when she danced like a like a freak at, at Kendall's party season two or three or whatever it was. She or three. Yeah. She she's kind of like like she wants to be bigger than she is. But Kendall points out like you don't technically have any experience. And she goes, I did the strategic review. And it was like, okay, but no one fucking saw it. And no one cared. And, but it really seems like Roman and Ken do want to bring her in, like across everything. Like it's not, we're not going to cut you out. You're a part of it. Then at the very end, we get the PR strategies. You get either Operation Embalm Lennon, meaning glorify the fuck out of it, uh, Logan. Or Operation Shit on Dad and make it seem like he's not been competent and you guys have been the ones pulling the strings this whole time. And uh, at first, Kendall he goes with whatever Roman wants, but then he sneaks around and has that sexy final scene with Hugo. And it's like, you greenlight that second plan. Don't make me pull out the strap on. Because Hugo had already confessed that there was he could get in trouble and Kendall was covering for him. So, me likey. I loved that. I loved that little moment at the end. We When we opened the next episode with Roman and Kendall in their business meeting, and it was like they, they got them just right in those outfits. Like Roman with his super all black vibes and business hair. And now they're talking about the Hollywood stuff. And I... I didn't get it. I'm like, oh, they have a studio? And the movie that they're doing reshoots on is called Calispatron. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Roman is going to be doing that. Madsen suddenly decides to demand everyone go to the retreat. I hate this fucking guy. I hate him. Carl and Frank wear compression socks. On the plane. I enjoyed that. And then I also like Tom being like, should I do that? The scene on the plane. The scene is really, really fantastic. Shiv tells, Shiv brings up the articles about uh, attacking dad. And Kendall, Kendall calls over to Hugo and he says, anyone briefing negative things about dad will fucking crucify them. And Roman watches this moment and figures out immediately. He's like, that is fake. You're acting. This is not real. And so he goes, but he goes along with ignoring it. And he, and he ignores Shiv. Doesn't, doesn't answer it. And Kendall tries to go, "Uh, Shiv, we're dealing, we're, we're death wrestling ogres. We're death wrestling with ogres. And Shiv goes, you're reading documents, Ken. So that's such a Kendall thing. We're do- we're doing a lot. Bitch, you're reading documents. Then they distract her perfectly by saying, you know, we, we would like to maybe present you the opportunity to uh, cut Tom's throat. And Roman says, we just thought in case that might be a nice thing for you. It's such a, it's like, it's so them. 
It's like they would <laughs> they would like to offer human sacrifice like that for their sister. You know, maybe a nice little thing for you. Not really sure. Would that be nice? And Shiv's reaction is perfect. Her performance is brilliant. And the blocking is flawless, too, because as she walks out, she sees Tom. Just the shots on this plane, it just, oh God, so good. Jerry has that great monologue about we've been raised by wolves. And then about why they're not, who's going to stay, who's going to go when the Gojo deal happens. And Hugo says, we're snakes on a plane. They are. So they, they make these cool choices to do all these shots of them in like such high places. Like they're, they're like the shot of them on a ski lift. And they're talking about how they're going to make the deal. Like they're because the, the stakes are high. The numbers are high. They're talking about billions and millions of dollars. And Connor calls all upset about Marsha putting him in a, in a kilt, <laughs> putting a tat in a kilt. And Kendall goes, okay, if you want, send photos or whatever. And Roman's like, send photos? Don't send photos. No. Now, Tom's journey is like that of a young dinosaur at this point. He climbed the corporate ladder in such a vintage way. And his skill set is basically nothing. You know, so he's like, what the fuck am I going to do here? Like, what do I offer? The meeting with Madsen... uh, they 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 go the way they go look for Shiv. Like they have the meeting and then the first thing they do is let's go find Shiv. And it's just so amazing to watch this connection. And you you're thinking, finally, this is it, guys. We're gonna have a season where they don't fuck each other over. It's gonna be awesome. Okay, obviously. <laughs> I thought this scene with Greg and Tom talking to Madsen at the retreat was just really weak. I thought it was like kind of I don't know. I just it wasn't like well developed enough or something. I I didn't enjoy that scene. And then turns out Roman and Kendall want to kill the deal because Madsen sucks and they love their dad too much. And then they say, you know, are we telling Shiv? And Kendall says, can Pinky dance? <laughs> what a line. The locations for these shots are just amazing amazing when they go to meet Madsen on the top of that fucking mountain and this amazing monologue from Roman about he's like we're not gonna fucking sell to you and then he's just in his face like we're not gonna you're a fucking prick for making us come out here after our dad died using our dad's death as leverage you piece of shit and try to tell anyone I did this and I'll just say it was a strategy and sure enough it, it he offers 192 million and it was to fuck him because no they can't say you can't deny that nope there's no denying that uh but shiv is in shiv is in with him shiv's shiv's always playing those sides man cuz she she's smart too though because she knows she's going to be cut out and you can't blame her for that at all it's hard though because I'm so endeared it's so it's weird I'm so endeared to Roman and Kendall and Shiv I should be endeared to Shiv but she's she's harder to be endeared to um and is that sexist but it's 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 a character it's not a real person 
and Roman and Kendall have done terrible things. But maybe because they've been trying so hard to get their dad's approval that it appears like they're more likable. Um, and Shiv's just like, fuck you, I'm not getting your approval. Not going to happen. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I'm I always just I'm always more rooting for the boys somehow. But now I don't even really know what I'm rooting for because I did want them all just to have their cute little business together by Pierce and do Pierce and just not be at Waystar. Waystar is evil. So I kind of I'm at the point in the show where they can go any direction they want because I'll just trust them. The writing is going to be good. The journey will be good. You know. Shiv keeps Tom and asks him to dinner. And by this point, we're like, you are pregnant, so. But the kill list comes in, and Hugo, Frank, and Carl are on it. The next episode six, Madsen is testing Shiv, and Shiv seemingly being loyal to her brothers. Seemingly. I really like how often they refer to them as my brothers or our sister. I don't know why. I just like when you create that that bond on, on, on a show. Letting us know, like, this is the world we're in. They're connected again. It's so nice. For the meeting, Kendall walks in with shades and, like, the vibe. They have, like, a big business meeting. And he he's just, like, he's Kendall again. He's Kendall feeling himself as, like, CEO. And he takes Shiv's seat. And Shiv's like, really? And he's like, oh, sorry. Like, you know. Now, I can't tell if Kendall and Roman are being intentionally bad. And Shiv sees right through it. So I'm like, oh, they are. So Kendall cracks first. when They they all leave and Shiv's like, what are you fucking doing? And Kendall cracks first. And Roman's like, damn it. Okay, you're making me look bad. But Roman and Kendall do seem sincere when they're like, yes, we are trying to kill the deal. Um, but like, we just didn't tell you because we weren't sure if you wanted to do it or not. Blah, blah, blah. But then they apologize and they're like, do you want to do the huggy thing? And then they hug. And so I'm like, see, Shiv, forgive them. Forgive them. Please don't work with Madsen. Please just be on their side. Do whatever the brothers want. You're all in it together, please. But she's not technically a COO. So she's like, "Mm, don't trust it. So. uh, Shiv's scheduled grief. Tom and Shiv, Tom busts in on it. Shiv, Tom and Shiv start kissing. And then the way Tom and Shiv come back together, it's, it seems very fitting. I was like, oh, okay, it would make sense that like Shiv would just need to go away from him, see him functioning without her. And now she's pregnant, so. But then Roman goes on his firing spree. First he fires the studio exec and then fires Jerry. But I look, Kendall... The scene where Kendall's like, no, no, this works. This totally works. And he starts, Kendall always thinks in headlines. He's always like putting that together. Like whenever he goes to Hugo or something, he's, he pitches it as the headlines, you know? So he loves it. He's like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. This fucking headline. Yes, do it. Who else you want to fire? And Roman's like, no, I don't, I don't think that was a good move. And he's like, <laughs> Kendall's like, yeah, hell yeah, it was. So now Tom and Shiv, they're back together. She says he shouldn't have betrayed her. And when he explains what it is, that he loves his money and he didn't want to get caught between her and her dad, you know, I got it. But then I also got why Shiv liked him to begin with because it was confusing, like, what the attraction ever was. But then it made sense, like, oh, he's an asshole. 
Mm-hmm. That would have attracted her to him. But Kendall's play. It's so Kendall. Thinking he can just like demand everything. He makes up the rule. No one can say no. He's like, huh? How about thank you, Kendall, for making up such a cool new rule? Huh? Whether he wants the clouds. <laughs> so, I don't know. Oh, God. There, and then there's some projections I'm supposed to get because like. Shiv sits down with Roman and she's like, have you seen the numbers? Have you seen the... Again, these are the business parts where I'm like, don't know, don't care, it's fine. Something's happening. But Shiv wants to shut down the play and Roman's like, I don't know, we kind of got to back it up. But then Roman ends up backing out of it. And it's so sad because when Roman says, like, maybe we shouldn't do it or, like, postpone, you see little Kendall's dreams shattered. His little sad dreams are shattered. He like looks down like, oh, okay. It's so cute. But then Carl talks to Ken right before he goes on stage. And he's like, I will fucking murder you if you don't, if you fuck this up. But then he doesn't. And I'm like, oh, the the shot of Carl, Frank, and Jerry on that balcony. It's like, oh, he's going to fuck it up. But it ends up being great. Well, first it starts the living the living plus presentation starts with Logan. And and he's like talks to Logan. <laughs> so you're like, oh no, it's gonna be so bad. It's gonna be so bad. But it ends up going wonderfully. And Greg got the guy at the video editing place to make Logan say, uh, double the earnings of our parts division. And um Madsen wants to cut this. Madsen wants to cut this, so he posts some Holocaust joke on Twitter, uh, which doesn't derail anything. And Kendall did, did a good job. It's successful. And Roman beats himself up. So he leaves, sort of like in the middle of it, doesn't bother to stay, gets in a car, and he listens to a clip of his dad saying, I'm going to make what I think is a fairly historic mo- announcement. I'm convinced that Roman Roy has a micro dick and always gets it wrong. And he just keeps playing that over and over and over again. Because Roman's through line is that he, although he had a great season, um, was that season two? I think so. Yeah. He had a great season where he was getting it all right, where he was learning and getting better. And so it's sad that this is where Roman is again. But Roman is fucking up because Jerry could have got him there. God damn it. Jerry could have got him there. Episode seven is the party at Shiv and Tom's, like the election party. Again, I wish I could. I wish I understood exactly why Nate was, quote, uncomfortable with the tenure of the conversation. I, I thought I understood I'm going to guess it was something like it sounded like they were bribing him to do something with his candidate. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, But I liked when he goes, I'm not Gil and you're not Logan. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Greg, there's a scene with uh, Ebba and Oscar and Madsen. And Greg comes down because Greg's been told to keep an eye on Madsen. And Greg, Greg said, you want me to fire her? I'll fire her. 
And it's perfect because it sends Ebba away and Kendall and Roman, are, they spot it. So they talk to her outside and she brings up uh, that because Roman opens with like, is this, you know, are you having issues because of the him sending you of the whatnots, you know, he's sending vials of blood and shit. Um, she's like, no, that's the least of his worries because and Roman goes, what? And she goes, India. And he's like, oh, yeah, India. Yeah. What are the uh, details with that? <laughs> She's like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to give you the details. But obviously this gives them enough to go off of. And they take it to Shiv. Now, this is what's so fun about this season is you're watching as they tell the enemy. You know, you're like, no, don't tell Shiv. Wait, how would you know? But then you're like, do I want Shiv to win? No, tell Shiv. Wait, I can't decide. <laughs> like, You can't. It's a very weird experience, you know? And so, what are subs in India, by the way? Are subs in India? I'm like, who is subscribing? I don't understand how any of the Gojo shit works. Don't care. Having a great time. Roman tries to get back to normal with Jerry, though. And it's it's sad. Because I really, really loved the dynamic of Jerry and Roman. And I'm bummed that that wasn't a relationship they drove to the end with. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll flip it back around. Because she's like, I want hundreds and millions of dollars. And she's like, if I hear any whiff of someone saying something negative about me in the next five years, I will leak one of the many pictures of your genitalia that I have in my phone. Okay. And she says, I could have got you there. And I, it, it's true. She could have got you there, dumbass. And this is when the Roman spiral starts, though. This is like, like when, Jer- like he, he really, really spies. So he takes it out on Connor. And I love that in this scene with Roman trying to tell Connor to to, to quit, right behind him is Matson and Ebba. It's real. It's a it's a nice rounding out of this of the of the vibe. And uh, <laughs> Kendall has to come ease Roman off, and so Connor leaves. <laughs> As he's leaving, Matson's like, "Hey, man, you got my vote, hundred <laughs> percent." Oh God, Matson's. He's nailing it, nailing it. This guy's so. Uh. But then Kendall and Matson have their epic scene, epic scene back and forth. Matson calls your numbers are a little gay. I'm like what? But then it ends with both of them being like, "Love the deal, love the deal, love the." De-. That's what I like because Kendall has been at the end of the day. Kendall has been doing this shit. He's been trying to be his dad. For much longer, Roman's just only recently tried to take it seriously. Kendall has been playing this. He's been making mistakes. So when he has these scenes that he can like talk all fast and be like, mm, back and forth with Madsen, it's a, it's a nice, it's sexy. Kendall's hotter than ever this season. I'm, I'm, I'm more turned on by Kendall than ever. But then we get Tom and Shiv's amazing scene. Both actors just brought it in such an amazing way. He wants to go to bed because he's tired of being the joke of the party. And Shiv follows him. And it's very it's very Shiv. It's so perfectly selfish that she follows him so that she can talk about how she's having a hard time because of Madsen. It's like, girl, you just walked around and made fun of this man the whole time. Like you just you just did that. You walked around and made him feel like an idiot the whole time. And now you're gonna make him listen to your problems and make him make you feel better? 
very very her. And that's what leads into their huge fight where he just says horrible things. And they say horrible things to each other. But it was a great fight. It was a great scene. And then Kendall tells Frank about his plan to buy Gojo. And Frank's like, I was going to retire, okay? I was going to, like, get money and go live in a, on an island by myself. All right, but this last, uh, second to last episode, episode eight, is the election. This fucking episode, it was, it was like as intense as an episode of that old show, 24. If you didn't watch that show, it was, every episode was, it had like a countdown clock that would be 24 hours. And that's how long you had to like get shit done. And so it had very high stakes. And this would, this felt like. Greg tells Tom, though, about Shiv and Madsen because Greg was out with the with them the night before. And Tom's like, you hold on to it. You don't tell him right away. Uh, and now we're doing we're doing the parallels of like the Trump reelection run um, and and Fox News and ATN's like Fox News. So they're not covering the intimidation that's paralleling how Fox News was covering stuff up. Greg bringing Tom the Coke and, and Greg pretending to do the Coke because he doesn't want to do it. Uh, the recounts, though, and the absentee ballots and all these just parallels. Very, very well done. But seeing that Roman, Roman would go full-blown far-right extreme asshole because he would. It's like, oh, yeah, this angry. It's it's because what, what it is, it's a, it's a comment it's a commentary on who these people, <laughs> who these people are. An angry, bratty child of a really rich asshole is who acts like that. That's who acts like that. That's who believes in this shit. You know, no, no one's like, I want to be Roman. Roman's a good guy. No, Roman's a bad guy. And that's who acts like this. That's who thinks like this. You know, it's, it's, it's well done because it's you're looking at it from the lens of these are real people that we, we root for and we care about. Um, but we also hate them because these are real prototypes of people. Like these, this is a, these are actual human beings that exist, not just you know what I mean. Like, but in a real life sense. There really is a Fox News and there really are people who covered this shit up and there really are people who think like this. So it's fascinating that the way they the way they parallel this right now. The scene with Darwin about the current state of the votes, they don't have the absentee ballots, but they know how they would have voted, which is Democrat and Roman fights that. And uh, when Shiv starts going, it's bullshit, it's bullshit, it's bullshit. And Tom says, you sound unhinged, Shiv. The way Kendall goes, you fucking watch it, Tom. Like, yeah, send it for your sister, Kendall. He's so cute. Um, and they fight and they fight. And then Roman has the news anchor go rogue, go full extreme right. It's saying that the fire only burned Democratic votes. It's one of those picky fires. You mean the fires that uh, conservatives intentionally started? The fire that they insert, they started to burn those votes because they knew which direction they would go. Cool. Got it. Yep. Those. They convince Darwin um, to do like the pending call 
in Wisconsin. It's really funny. Them, how about how about we do pending? We'll put pending on the screen. Pending, calling it. Pen- okay, cool. But then he gets wasabi in his eye, and there's this scene where Craig gives him Lacroix or Lacroix or whatever, and he's like, "It's lemon. It's very lightly lemon. It's natural. It's medical. Medical lemon." And then we Roman and Kendall debating whether or not to call it. And this is where you see Kendall struggling because he is at the end of the day a good person. And his daughter was just pushed and harassed by someone. And Kendall's realizing that this is a world he's helping to create all because he wants to stop the Gojo deal. And after this conversation with Roman, who's obviously all for doing that, Kendall goes and talks to Shiv and Kendall admits to her that he thought it should be just him and but he doesn't want it to be like the end of the family thing you know and Shiv I think for Shiv she's like yeah I already knew that but I I thought that was big that he admitted he admits that to her and so when Shiv calls Kendall a good guy there was a I can't what was the show um it's a it, the new show that came out it was a comedy on Hulu um it was about this guy it's a gang reform um group oh damn it it'll come to me in a second but the the lead character likes to be the good guy so that's how you can get him to do anything like oh you're such a good guy and that was kind of like what happened here with Ken like you're a good guy Kendall and he's like yeah I am a good guy and then Kendall says, we all want to stop Madsen, though, right? That's the thing. And it's crazy watching Shiv be like, mm-hmm, yeah, we want to we stop him. But Shiv tries to convince Kendall that Logan would, wouldn't support Menken. And I'm not sure about that. I'm really not. I don't, I don't know. Menken is, that, is a prime example, though, of something... Is is Menken supposed to be like DeSantis? Is that is that the thing? It's like com- comparing it to like we thought Trump was bad. Now we got this guy. Or is Menken supposed to be? No, yeah, it's I guess so. Kendall's like, can you call Nate and try to get something from Jimenez about blocking the Gojo deal? <laughs> Shiv fakes the call. Then they go into the scene with Roman. And Tom, where they were expecting Kendall to give the green light to call it for Menken, but Shiv is like, oh, no, no, I got like a probably, I got like a probably from the Jimenez team, yeah? So Kendall goes to call, and the scene is so brilliantly shot with Kendall on the phone looking through the window while I'm while Shiv is able to like ha- like still maintain a dialogue with Roman. And then Kendall asks Greg, if something's going on and then the scene of reckoning when Kendall comes in and confronts Shiv with Roman and Roman takes it to a place of like, I don't even think you're supposed to be in here. Do you have a pass? I don't think you actually don't have a pass to be in here, Shiv. And they, they decide, and this is it. This is, we're calling it for Menken because what happens is where for Kendall, of course, the, the reason he was going to abandon the plan of calling it for Menken was because he thought Shiv had made a point about Jimenez, but instead it's like, that was all just a ploy to get me to go with your plan so that you could be in power. But fuck it, we're going with Menken. And then there's that great moment where Jess tries to kind of stop Greg from telling them to call it for Menken. 
and then that come becomes relevant in the next episode. And the next episode is when Shiv tells Roman and Kendall that she's pregnant and Roman makes some hilariously disgusting and sexual jokes and Jess quits on Kendall. But before Jess quits, uh, what's Kendall's ex-wife's name? Damn it. I totally know her name. Rava. Rava is not going to the funeral because she's scared. So she takes the kids out of town and Kendall tries to stop them and he's upset. And so when Jess quits, he's like, everyone's being stupid. Everyone's being so stupid. And it it was just, it's an interesting look at how this world would be because I know that this really did happen in the world of like when Trump, for example, with the insurrection, the day of, of January 6th and how all all the people that were already on the Trump team were like, wait, this is different. Like now we're taking it to a different place. And so it was, it was a struggle for a lot of people. And then a lot of people like stepping down, like, nope, not going to do it anymore. And what it's like to be making, this is not like an insurrection though, but for when you're, when you're someone making that call, like Kendall, who's still like a good person, it's like, what, what the fuck do we do? What do I do? Do I, do I cancel all this? Like Kendall has literally sold his soul to make this deal not go through and make it work for him. So interesting. So well done. So, so well done. Roman tries to poach Frank for his little posse and Frank just goes, mm, <laughs> get away from me. Caroline gets Carrie because Carrie, Carrie, Carrie does a great job in this scene. She comes in. She's got her her brother and her friend who's a lawyer because she's like she wasn't sure about entry. But Caroline's like, oh, pish posh. This is Sally Ann. She was my Carrie. And then Marsha's forced to deal with it. And it's great because what Caroline did there was say, nope, just get we're going to all sit together. OK, that's how long Logan has been doing this shit. And all four women just sit next to each other. And it was sweet because Marsha comforts Carrie because Carrie's the most upset. And it was a nice little button on that. It was nice to know that we weren't going to have to feel bad for Carrie. Because I don't want to feel bad for Carrie, okay? Because Carrie was kind of gross for doing what she did, all right? But also, they all are, they're all gross. So Logan should be the one punished for being gross, too. Logan's brother speaks. And then we find we find out that the sister that died died of polio and Logan blames himself for bringing it back with him because he was sent to school where he got sick with polio, whatever. Um, and of course, Logan's brother sneaks in some stuff about how Logan wasn't a great guy, which was lovely. I liked that. I said, get him. Fucking get him. <sighs> Kendall, I'm sorry, Roman goes up to speak and has a breakdown. <laughs> Has a little breakdown. He's like, is he in there? Can we get him out? So Kendall goes up and gives a wonderful speech. And when Shiv goes up, was is it okay that I thought it was a really cringy speech? Because was that was that the point? Because it was it felt like she was trying to be like, it felt like um, was it on friends? That this happened where Chandler tried to get up or Monica, Monica kept going up there trying to make everyone cry because Ross was really good at speeches, but she wasn't. So she was like trying to make people cry. I felt like that was what Shiv was kind of doing. Um, 
if that wasn't the intention, then I'm misreading it. But it it was it felt like it was it was funny to me. But on his way out, Hugo whispers to Kendall that Shiv is floating a U.S. CEO to placate Menken. And so they're like, fuck, it's real. We spent quite a lot of time at the like mausoleum. That's what you call that, right? Thing. Quite a lot of time. This episode. I. I, This episode was like kind of really lingered on Logan. And I felt like they they wanted to breathe enough life into it so that Brian Cox didn't get mad at them. <laughs> like, yes, Logan, we talk about you a lot, but I'm like, we, I, I kind of didn't need this much going on for Logan. Like we get it. We got it. I kind of wanted it to keep it moving a little bit just cause I'm like, we only have one episode after this. Um, but then Kendall talks to Hugo. He's like, I want you to me- brief the media that Madsen doesn't have the support of key members of the family. But then he goes, Hugo, life isn't nice. People who say they love you also fuck you. So this is an explicit deal with me ruling the world. But it won't be a collaboration, okay? You'll be my dog. But the scraps from the table will be millions. Happy? Of course. Hugo's in. Because Hugo's already like a little slimy worm. I love the peppering in of protests between all these memorial events for the uber rich, you know, like these these events that cost like a million dollars each. And then there's these protests going on in between. Kendall goes up to Colin and says, oh, hey, how's that little head shrink little session going for you? Thought that was confidential, didn't you? Well, it's not. How about you come work for me? Okay. Okay. Don't really have a choice there, do you? Cool. So he gets Colin. Kendall then goes and checks in with Menken. And Menken, ha- you know, that act- he's looking at him like, I'm not your friend. I don't know who told you I was your friend. I'm not your friend. Okay. And you, if you can feel it. You can feel it. And great, because Kendall's asking, like, when are you going to drop the whole bit about, like, big bad tech coming in and taking over? And he's like, well, I and then Greg comes in being like, I was the guy who told them to say it's you. And he's like, shut up. And then Roman comes over and Menken makes fun of him. Hey, tiny tears. And even Kendall's like, all right, dude. Which is so, it's so protective. It's like, it's not today. Like any other day, but not today. And then Connor comes over to Menken about his his small travel budget. And it's now he's being like attacked by everyone. So Shiv comes over, calls herself his extraction team. What a power play. Okay, girl. Yes, you call yourself that extraction team. And then the shot of Matson just perfectly with his Wilkemen. The way he, he's so tall when he like bends down. He's such a perfect little weirdo. And they and they just go over to the side in the corner or the table and they talk. And he's just so weird. And Shiv is like the perfect balance for his weirdness. Like, they do make a great... Like, I'm really bummed we're not going to see more of them acting together. Like, it'd be such a... We could do a whole... We could do another season. Like, reconsider, please. And the CEO American pitch, I guess, is all he needed. And he he goes away, Menken, and, you know, seems good. Tom and Shiv have a sweet moment. 
which is followed by Lucas calling to say Menken is a go. And you're like, fuck, yeah, Shiv is going to win. That's, you know, then I'm like, maybe I, I do want Shiv to win. But then they, they pan over to little Roman over there looking all defeated. And then Kendall sits down. And it's what's fun. It's great. This I love this scene because Kendall's like he, he's coming over like a concerned, sweet brother. He's like, I love you, dude. Um, but you fucked it. And Roman's like, well, okay, whoa, man. Like, he's like, yeah, I know. That's because you fucked it. You thought you were dad and you fucked it. And Roman's like, well, we have ETN, you know. And Kendall's like, you know, he's got our dick in his hand. We should have his dick in our hands. And Kendall says that they have to get real at the board. The Roy boys versus Shiv the Shiv. Kendall has a plan, which I'm like, yeah. What's the plan? Like, I just, I'm ready. Because Kendall goes, you fucked it. But it's all right. And Roman, he did. And the thing with what Kendall, the way Kendall says this, Kendall's saying, like, I've been there. I've made a lot of mistakes. I feel like we've seen Logan give Kendall this exact same speech to some extent, where Kendall has messed up and Logan said, look, you messed up. I'll fix it. And that's what Kendall just did. It's not as shitty as Logan, but it's still pretty shitty the way he did that because he does need, it's like, Roman, if you want to play and you want to do the business, okay, you fucked up. You fucked it. You absolutely fucked it. You got to, you got to bed with Menken. Yeah, you fucked it. We're fucked. Oh my God. Carl plays the clip of Roman crying. (laughs) Oh yeah. Then Roman walks into the protesters. That was very chaotic. I'm sure really hard to shoot too. Um, and only one fucking episode left, you guys. Just one. That's not fair. That's not fair at all. Okay, whatever. Next week, though, for the finale, I'm going to go super deep into the episode because it's the last one. This one was a little bit more general because I wanted to get all of the all of the season in. All right. I've talked for a long time. Once these seasons wrap up, I'll keep going. If you have any requests for um, a show that you want me to be covering, shoot me a DM over at She Speaks It All Pod. And I will add it to the list if I don't already watch it. Or if if I don't want to watch it, obviously, I'm not going to. But yeah, if you've got any requests, um, I've got a couple other things that I'll add Uh, But today I I knew this was going to be long because I was going to be catching us up on seasons. So there you go. Um, All right, guys. Love you. Mean it. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to She Speaks It All, a podcast from the creator and host of She Speaks Bravo in partnership with Cloud10 Media. Make sure you are following She Speaks It All pod on Instagram and TikTok. And of course, make sure you are subscribed or following this podcast. Hit that notification bell so you never miss an episode. And if you want to support me, head over to buymeacoffee.com slash She Speaks Bravo and buy me a coffee or two or five. Thanks, you guys. See you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.